Hello. You guys excited to be in church today? All right. I don't know how you're doing at the other locations, but Littleton sounds excited. Tell your neighbor, say, you know what? I'm excited to be sitting next to you. Tell your neighbor. <clears throat> and for the neighbor you didn't tell, I apologize on their behalf. You know what I mean? Hey, welcome to Red Rocks Church. If this is your church family, you know I say this a whole bunch um, at the beginning. And I think sometimes even some of us go, oh, here he goes. He's going to say it again. But I tell you what, if you bring somebody with you, it'd be the first time they've heard it. <laughs> and I bet you when you do bring somebody with you, you're crossing your fingers going, I hope he says it today. Right? So, hey, here's what you need to know if you're visiting with us. I don't know what your church background is. Maybe you've had great experiences with church. Maybe you've had terrible experiences with church. Maybe you've never been to church. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe today you go, man, things have never been better. And maybe you're on the opposite side of that and you go, things have never been worse. I don't know where you're at with God. Maybe you say, I've never been closer to God than I am right now. Maybe you go, I doubt I believe the way any of you believe. Maybe I've never been further from God. Here's what I want you to know in this church, we're glad you're here. You're welcomed here and you're valued here and you're going to be accepted here and you're going to be loved here. And we're glad that you're joining us today for church. We believe God has you here for a reason. Anybody else have the song Buffalo Soldier in your head all week? All week long? Wasn't last week's message amazing? Come on, that was so good. Hey, we're in a teaching series called Live Free. It's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving because we're just still in this series. We're looking at uh, Galatians 5.1 and it says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I know we've been looking at this verse for several weeks now and in different parts of the Bible through the filter of this verse. And I don't know if you've noticed it yet, but this verse is actually talking about two different levels of freedom, isn't it? One verse, two different levels of freedom. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. There's two different things going on here. The apostle Paul's writing a letter to a bunch of churches in Galatia. And he says, look, Christ has set you free. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you've been set free from sin and death. Now, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but a couple thousand years ago, Jesus Christ allowed himself to be arrested, beaten within an inch of his life, and then publicly executed in the most painful execution known to man called crucifixion at the time. And he allowed himself to go through that so that today, you and I, if we choose, we can say, I want to walk away from my past and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to start a new life with him. I want to repent of my sins. I want him to forgive me, right? We just say, that's what I want. It's a free gift. All we have to do is accept it. We put our faith in Jesus, say, I want that forgiveness. And right then, according to the word of God, you are saved. You have been eternally set free from sin and death. Positionally, with God, you'll never be the same. From that point on, when you make that decision, from that point on, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our guilt and our sin and our shame. He sees the perfect righteousness that Jesus has covered us with. So see, Paul says, look, you have been set free from sin and death. So a byproduct of that is you get to live free 
in the here and now. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. There's two different levels. And Paul says, I want you to have both. That's why we're doing this series called Live Free, which by the way, as I stand up here and look across the crowd, I love seeing the Live Free hoodies. Stay strong. Let's pray. God, we need you to speak to us today because we're in the middle of it. And some days it feels like things have never been better and some days it feels like things have never been worse. And we all know what it feels like. Those of us who've put our faith in you, we know what it feels like to have been set free but not always feel free. We know what it feels like to be set free but to still deal with levels of bondage in the here and now. And so God, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us about our lives in Jesus' name. And all seven locations said, amen. amen. Well, hey, um, I was married about a year when Jill and I took our very first vacation. It wasn't exactly what you would call an extravagant vacation because we were what you would call broke. And so we lived in Rockford, Illinois, and we didn't think we could swing a hotel in Chicago, so we drove to the next best city a different direction, but we thought we might be able to swing a hotel for a couple nights in, in Wisconsin, right? In, uh, and, and if you live there, you say Wisconsin. So we went to Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we got a hotel for a couple nights, and oh, we got some, some, some Milwaukeeans. Way to go, Milwaukee, represent. So we went to Wisconsin, and we got a hotel for a couple nights, and then we spent the rest of the time at home, but we took about, I think we each took a week off work, um, and it was our first vacation. We had a little Milwaukee, a little staycation. That's what it was. So I go back to work. I'm at the church at this point in Rockford, Illinois, and this guy comes up to me, and he's associated with the youth group, and he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, and everyone there would call us pastor, which freaked me out anyways. And he was like, hey, Pastor Sean. And I'm thinking, psychopath. <laughs> hey, Pastor Sean. I go, yeah? He goes, oh, I'm so glad you're back. Okay. We hugged it out and... I was concerned for him, but went on my way. And actually what I thought is, you know what? He's a little off, but it's nice to be valued, right? I was missed. They really like me here. Like I'm not used to this at my places of employment in the past. I'm valued here. This is nice. So I just took it. So about lunchtime, a girl that works with the youth group but happened to be going through the church, I run into her and she comes up to me and goes, Pastor Sean. And I'm like, wow, this is, I mean, I am loved. Come and get in here for the real thing, girl. I am loved. And I hugged her and went on my day. And I'm like, I am just really appreciated here. The third time it happened, I started to wonder. At the end of the day, this girl from the youth group who went to the school attached to the church, she's walking out after school and she sees me and she comes up to me and she goes, Pastor Sean. And I'm like, wow. Wow, today's just a day, you know? And I'm like, I know what she's going to say. I've missed you, and we're glad you're back. And I'm like, here we go again. And she's like, I'm so glad. And I'm like, I know, I know you miss me. And she's like, I'm so glad you're out. I said, I'm sorry? She said, I'm so glad you're out. I said, what am I out from? 
Susanna. And she goes like this. She goes, oh, Sean. It's okay. Chad told us. That's a good talk there, Susanna. We'll be seeing you. I got to have a conversation with somebody. I've been dealing with this stuff for 20 years, church. I go into chat. I go, Susanna. Wait, I, you got to know this. I said, Susanna, what, am, what, what did Chad tell us? You know what she said? She goes, that your past caught up with you and you were arrested and in jail. <laughs> yeah. Bye. I'm talking to Chad. I go busting into Chad's office. I'm like, hey. He goes, what's up, bro? I'm like, mm-mm, no. No, you do not what's up, bro, me. He goes, what? I said, jail. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, you told the whole youth group I went to jail. He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. That's a true story. He goes, I, he goes, I totally meant to go back and tell him I was just kidding. I forgot. I forgot the JK. Yeah, you forgot the JK, Chad. And now the entire youth group has been operating under the assumption for the last week that I've been in prison. Thank you, Pastor Chad. That's real. That's what I've been dealing with for half my life, okay? It's funny when you think about it now, it was actually pretty funny to me then. But I tell you what's not funny is when you flip it. See, because the truth is I'd never been freer, but everybody I knew thought I was in bondage, right? But, but, I, but the, it was, it was, I'd never been freer. I was married on vacation with my wife, my new wife, no boss, no meetings, no responsibilities, nowhere to be. I'd never been freer, but everybody in my life thought I was in bondage. It's funny, right? Flip it though, it's not funny. And unfortunately, this is how a whole bunch of Christians feel pressured to live today, and it's this, I know I'm in bondage but I try real hard to make sure everybody else thinks I'm free. See, then it's not funny, is it? And, and the truth is, we know what it feels like, whether or not we're trying to manage our public image, whether or not we're worried about what other people think about us or, or see when they look at our life. We know what it feels like to have been set free from sin, but living in the here and now and feel like we still need to be set free from something. We know what that feels like. And I actually put in my notes, I was going to ask the question, like, any of you know what that feels like? And then I thought, I don't even need to ask because thousands of us wrote on a card week one of this series, didn't we? And that's what we were saying. Those of us who've put our faith in Jesus, I've been set free. I'm just not fully living free right now. And so I need freedom from, and we wrote them down, didn't we? And we wrote all kinds of things on the list. We know what it feels like. See, you can, be, you can be set free, but not know how to live free, can't you? I know that feeling. I bet a bunch of you do. I was talking to my brother this past week, and he gave me permission to share this story. He made some mistakes, and he spent two years in prison. 
And listen, I just want to say this. Two of our seven locations are in meeting in prisons right now. And men and women at both God Behind Bars campuses, I want you to know that you are every bit as much a part of this church family as those of us in this room right now. We love you. We're proud of you. We believe God has a plan for you. And we're so glad you're in this church. My brother was in prison for two years. Then he was set free. Well, when he was set free, we had a party at my aunt's house. And, and keep in mind, this is Kansas. All right, so this is a Kansas party. Down a dirt road, down a long driveway, all right? Mullets are out, NASCAR t-shirts are on, Budweiser's are being consumed, and we're playing horseshoes, all right? That's just how it went. That sounds like, some of you are like, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> sounds usual, amen. So... Full-on party, all the family, all the friends of the family, and it's in honor of my brother who has been set free. You know where he spent almost the entire party? Around the backside of the house on the back porch by himself. I said, Paul, why? He said, Sean, let me tell you something. He said, the first few months after I got out of prison was the hardest few months of my life. He said, oh, I, got, I was set free. I didn't know how to live free. I was so insecure. I had so much anxiety, so much fear. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to act. I couldn't be around people. I didn't know what to do. So they're partying and he's hiding out here. He'd been set free, but he didn't have the freedom yet to live that way. And we know what that feels like sometimes, don't we? And see, here's the thing about Galatians 5.1. It tells us, it reminds us that our freedom at time requires a fight. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And what's the very next thing it says? Stand firm then. You've been set free. If you want to live free, you're going to have to take a stand. You're going to have to put up a fight. You're going to have to get strong in some areas. Sometimes our freedom requires fighting, doesn't it? And one of the best weapons that God has given us, church family, one of the best weapons that God has given us to fight for our freedom is a weapon called worship. Let me say that again. One of the best weapons that God has given us to fight for our freedom is a weapon called worship. I was looking at the list of what we as a church family wrote down, things we want to be set free from. And some of the things that top the charts, and it probably wouldn't shock you, is things like fear and anxiety and depression and worry, right? And some of you know exactly what that feels like because you've been set free from sin. But when it comes to anxiety and worry and depression and fear and some situations that you're in the middle of right now, you feel like life has got you locked down, like you're in bondage to some things. Some things have got chains wrapped around you. And I want to tell you today, church family, that that every now and then it's okay for us to say, you know what? I've been set free. I'm going to start fighting for my freedom. I'm going to stand up in the middle of this situation and I'm just going to worship till the chains fall off. We can do that. In fact, that's the title of today's message. If you're taking notes, worship till the chains fall off. If you have a Bible, flip open to Acts chapter 16. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas do an amazing thing. 
they get a, a girl set free from slavery. I mean, is there anything in this world that you ought to be celebrated for above helping another human being get out of some form of slavery, right? They should have been throwing a parade for Paul and Silas, but that's not how it went down. Let's read. When her owners realized that their hope of making money were gone, was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Lies, all lies, right? What they did is get a girl out of slavery. It should have been celebrated. The crowd joined in the attack. It didn't go down the way it should have. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. What? After they had been severely flogged, Google that this week, what it would have looked like for someone in this day and age to be flogged, and you'll be amazed at the kind of brutality that these two men were put through because they helped a girl get out of slavery. They were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I want you to picture this for just a second, church. You got two guys who helped a girl get out of slavery and some people told lies about them and they take them out in the middle of the city and they strip them down and they beat them half to death. A severe flogging would kill people back then. So now they've got wounds and bruises and covered with blood and barely living. They're thrown not just in prison, take them to the inner cell, in the middle, in the dungeon, in the dark, put all kinds of guards around them and chain their feet to the ground. I mean, you want to talk about a bad day. You want to talk about a situation that doesn't make any sense. You want to talk about something that's unfair. That's what they're in the middle of. Watch their response. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What? No, you were not. About midnight. How many of us honestly would be like, yeah, that's what I'd be doing. They're praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoner, prisoners were listening to them. I bet they were. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. They worshipped till the chains fell off, didn't they? And listen, everything about their situation said, you've got nothing to be thankful for. You've got nothing to praise God about. You've got nothing to worship about, right? Logic says you got nothing to worship God for. You can't worship today. Everything went wrong. The walls are caving in. You're in the middle of tragedy. Nothing makes sense. It's not fair. Their minds would say, don't worship 
Their emotions would scream, don't worship. Their wounds would say, don't worship. The pools of blood around them on the floor would say, don't worship. Their feet being chained to the ground would say, don't worship. But they decided, I'll stand up in the middle. And here's what they knew. My situation doesn't get to steal my joy. My situation doesn't dictate my freedom. My worship does. So I'll stand in the middle of this, even though it scares me, even though it's dark, even though it doesn't make sense, and I'll worship till the chains fall off. That's crazy what they did. And it hit me this week. Like there's going to be times in our lives, church, when we'll have to do the same thing. When we'll have to take a stand for our own freedom and decide, I won't let anxiety win. I won't let depression win. I won't let fear win. I won't let this situation win. This situation doesn't get to dictate my freedom. My worship does. So I choose worship. Your money situation will say, you got nothing to worship about. Sometimes your relationship issue says, don't even think about it. Nothing's working out for you. You got nothing to worship for. That career that isn't working out. See, nothing makes sense. It's not fair. What you deserve is this, but what you've got is this. That dream in your heart and you feel like it's not happening and it's a million miles away says don't worship. Your fear will say don't worship. Your anxiety will say don't worship. Your worry will say don't worship. And every now and then you and I have to decide, no, 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 no. I'm not playing the victim card this time. I choose to worship. And sometimes we have to choose to worship till the chains fall off. See, me and my family, we're professionals when it comes to playing the victim card. I think my family for generations has been professionals. I think we're on a pro level when it comes to playing the victim card. Oh, they wronged us and listen to what they did and that person wronged me and that person wronged me and they just don't get it and they did something they shouldn't and they said something they should And I'll tell everybody who will everybody come gather around. Come gather around, let me tell you. Let me, we're just good at playing the victim card. And I was talking with Chad this week about this very thing and he's like, you know, it's so easy and, and, and often so deserved to play the victim card. But he said, he goes, you know, the victim card never wins. It's like owing a billion. But get this, church family, worship is undefeated. There's a level of joy that comes with worship that doesn't come from anything else, and it isn't dependent on your situation. All it depends on is our choice. Worship is undefeated. I love what Paul and Silas said. You can humiliate me. You can beat me half to death. You can put me in prison. You can turn the lights off. You can put me in the worst spot. You can chain my feet to the floor, but you can't take my joy. I choose worship. And then God shows up and miracles start happening. And look, I know the truth is it sounds good in church, but in real life, it makes no sense sometimes. And so I'm thinking this week, like, I believe this principle. I believe that there's freedom in worship. I believe that our worship is a weapon and we need to use it sometimes to fight for our own freedom because we know we've been set free, but sometimes we're not experiencing that freedom. I, I, I believe that, but this week I'm going, <clears throat> it offends my logic. It, it, it offends our emotions when we're in the middle of it, right? 
So I want to help you. I want to help you wrap your mind around it just a little bit. Get this. This is why it's so important that we choose worship. And sometimes it'll be when we're at our worst. Psalm 22, 3. But you are holy. Oh, you that inhabit the praises of Israel. And it's talking about God. And this verse can be translated. God actually lives. He says, I live in, I dwell, I inhabit the praises of my people. See, there's only a few times in the Bible where God goes way out of his way to say, when you do this, my presence will be with you in a very unique and special and powerful way. We know according to the word of God, God can be everywhere at the same time, which you don't want to focus on that very long because it's just not good. But every now and then he says, there's a few things that you can do. And when you do, my presence will be with you in a unique and a special and a powerful way. In fact, he says that about the church. He says, when you get together like this and I'm the focus... There I am with you. My presence will be there in a unique and a special and a powerful way. It's why when we come to church sometimes, we walk out and go, that wasn't just an ordinary gathering. That wasn't just ordinary music. That wasn't just some ordinary readings. Like something happened. God spoke to me. I've been changed. It's not because of the people on the stage. It's because the presence of God is with us. His presence is here when we get together and he's the focus. Well, he says the same thing about our worship. He says, when you choose to thank me, when you choose to praise me, when you choose to worship me, I live in, I dwell in, I inhabit the praises of my people. And trust me, especially when we're going through it, that's what we want. We want his presence. Would you put up that next slide? These are just some of the things. You could start a huge list. This is just the beginning of a list. Some of you need to take a snapshot of that screen or go back online later and look at this message and start quoting some of these verses over your life. Start to remind yourself, this is what happens when I praise God and his presence gets involved. He promises me in Psalms that I have authentic joy in his presence. There's power in his presence, rest in his presence, peace in his presence, guidance in his presence, protection in his presence, confidence in his presence, and the list goes on and on and on. Church, these are the things we crave the most in life. So see, our, our uh, temptation is something starts to go wrong. I blame God. I run from God. I play the victim card. And the problem is, is we start to miss out on all these. We don't want to run from God and blame God and play the victim card. When I'm at my worst, I've never more needed to step up and say, in this situation, I choose worship because I need his presence and his power. I choose his joy and his peace. My situation doesn't get to dictate my freedom. My worship will. And that's what we do. We worship till the chains fall off. Some of you may be thinking, how dare you? You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. I was texting with a friend today whose son couldn't be more healthy, got a sinus infection, and he's now spent weeks in the hospital with his skull popped open trying to save his life. How dare you tell me to worship 
and be thankful and praise God. You don't know what I've been through. What do I have to be thankful for? That's real. I know that. I know some of you may feel that way. I have felt that way many times. And my thinking got challenged last week on this very thing. Last week, I went to a dinner with some friends and it was a fundraising dinner. And one of the focuses of the dinner were some children who've been through the foster care system and they have what they call aged out of the foster care system, which means they've never had real parents to hold on to. They've never had a real family to be a part of. They've bounced around from foster care to foster care to foster care. And then they hit a certain age and the government no longer gives money to anybody to take care of you. So now you're just homeless. And so they're talking to these young men who've gone through this. And they said to these two boys, they said, if you could have anything in the world, like on the planet, what's your number one, what's the biggest dream you could fathom? And this boy said, he goes, I wish I had a dad who would pat me on the back and say, go get him, sport. That's what he said. He goes, then he goes, or something like that. Because I've never had that. I've never had a dad say, I'm with you. You can do this. I'm behind you. It's his biggest dream in the whole world. And the next, the next boy, they said, what's your biggest dream on the planet? And he said, if I could have anything in the world. He goes, you know what I want more than anything else where I've wanted my whole life? He said, I wish, I, I want to be a son to a father. That's what he said. My heart exploded. Listen, if you feel like right now you're in one of the worst positions in your life you can, you can imagine being in, if you feel like everything's falling apart, if you feel like the dream isn't happening, if you find yourself questioning, like, what do I possibly have to be thankful for? Let me help you start that conversation because if you've put your faith in Jesus, understand this, you are a son to a father. You are a daughter to a father. And he loves you like crazy. He allowed his son to die for you. He's given it all for you. And he's forgiven you and redeemed you and restored you. He's got a plan for you. He's working in your life. He says, every time my answer is yes and amen, and it might seem impossible with man, but with me it's possible. And I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he says, you couldn't get rid of my love if you tried. If you don't have anything else to feel thankful for, you can step up in the middle of your situation and today and say, God, I thank you because I'm a, I'm a son to a father. I'm a daughter to a father. Just start there and I bet you you'll start to find a whole bunch more things in your life that you could be thankful for. But I promise you, we have some stuff to be thankful for. We have a reason to praise. We have a reason to worship on our worst day. Before you leave here today, I wanted you to know, I wanted you to be reminded of this. There's power in our worship, church. Your worship is a weapon, and it will help you fight for your freedom today if you choose to use it. It's a weapon. And what I want you to do this week is to try it. And so here's my challenge. And it starts today. It starts now. Here in just a few minutes, we're going to sing some songs as a church family. And I'm going to ask you as a church family to worship today like you mean it. 
Let me talk to the men for just a second. This will be appropriate for some of the ladies, but I know men. I was just talking with some friends recently. We struggle when it comes to like the church is going to worship, but you know what we do? We put our hands in our pockets. And I get it. Like, I don't want to be this guy with the two hands in the air. And I don't even know what that means. It means, all it means is, is I submit my life to you. That's all it means. But here's what we think. That looks stupid. I'm not going to look stupid. I'm not going to let my pride, I'm going to keep composed. I'm going to stay put together. I'll put my hands in my pockets during worship. And I want to tell some of you men in this church family, it would do you so much good to look a little stupid and worship your father. It'll do some of you so much good to be a little less dignified and take your hands out of your pockets. Listen, I'm not asking you to be something that you're not. But I am asking you or challenging you at least to be a passionate version of yourself as we go for God today. When your team wins it all, do your hands stay in your pockets? When Tim Tebow, Timmy, John 316 Tebow dropped back and threw a crossing route to DT and he ran 80 yards and we beat the Steelers and we went to the next round of the playoffs, did your hands stay in your pockets? That's all I'm asking. Let's worship like we mean it today. And then I'm going to challenge you to do this. Take it home with you. Don't let this be a church thing. Don't let the only time you worship this week be over the weekend during a service. So here's my challenge. And I'm not a morning person, so I'm not happy about this challenge either. Here's my challenge. First, before you leave home, if you're single, it's before you leave home. If you're a family, it's before everybody leaves home. Now, I understand some of you are like we work overnight or it doesn't figure out what works for you. But here's my challenge. If you can, before you start your day, before your family starts to go like this, you get together. And if it's you, you just get on your knees. But you start your day with, we're going to thank God before we do anything else today. Because we got some things to be thankful for. Watch how it'll change your life. Watch how it'll start to change your day when you start your day off by saying, you know what, everything's not perfect, but I got some things to be thankful for. So we're going to start our day saying thank you. And then my, my second challenge to you is this. Get worship music in your ears this week. At your office, in your car, while you're working out, while your boss is talking, hide a little earphone right in here like you used to do in school, whatever you need. Get some worship music in your ears. It'll change you. Look, we didn't make a Red Rocks Church worship album because we had spare time. We made this album because worship changes lives. I challenge you, download it if you don't have it. If you've already worn that one out, Mosaic and Elevation and, and Hillsong. And, and there's so many good ones out there. Get some worship and get it in your ears nonstop this week. And watch how it will help you in the middle of chaos, in the middle of situations that don't make sense, in the middle of things that aren't working out right. Watch how it will change your perspective on life. If you choose to say, I'm going to stand in the middle of this situation, this situation will not decide if I'm free or not. My worship will. I'll worship till the change fall off that's right that's what we're going to start doing this week hey and listen this isn't just old testament old time thousands of years ago new testament it's not just old school bible stuff this is the kind of stuff that will change our lives in the here and now and i'm telling you church family it's happening right now watch this 
so my parents moved to California after we all, um, after we left the house. Two of my older brothers were living in Colorado, as I was, and then one of them was traveling. And so um, my mom just came out to visit us randomly. I don't remember why. Um, so she was here in Colorado. My dad was in California. And um, the way my family used to keep in touch was we would just have family conference calls once in a while, like once every couple weeks or something, because we were all sometimes different places, even though some of us lived in the same state. And so we were on the phone, all six of us, and we're talking on the phone. They said goodnight, all that. And so the next day, uh, my mom didn't hear from my dad, and uh, she tried calling him, and there was no answer, and immediately she was like, something's wrong. We kept trying for hours. Uh, my oldest brother had installed the Find My iPhone app on my dad's phone. And so he looked up where my dad's phone was and it was in the house, like where my mom and him lived. And so we were like, okay, that's strange. And so we called the LAPD and we asked them to please go into the house. And so they break in and um, they search the house. They go up to his room and he's on the bed dead with his Bible, like open next to him as if he had just been spending time with Jesus and then went to be with him in his sleep. And so that is how we found out. I remember walking into that room where he was laying and just taking his hand. And that was a moment that broke me completely. We surrounded his table and we laid hands on him and we prayed for it felt like a very long time. I don't know how long it actually was, but still to this day, I can swear that he squeezed my hand. In that moment of letting go of his hand, it was like I was letting go of the need to understand why, the need to feel, I don't know. It was, it was, it was literally like I was letting go of everything within. I was just like, okay, Lord, like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why my dad is gone. <laughs> But I know that you're still good because he taught me that, you know. And um, he taught me that no matter what I face in this life, I still win because you've overcome for me already. And one of my dad's verses that he left saying to us was John 16, 33, in this world you have trouble, but take heart, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And I think there's a reason why Jesus is like, don't lose heart because he knows that the stuff will break us. And, and in that moment, I remember just thinking, God, I know you're still good. If you mean what you say with, when, when you tell me that in your presence is fullness of joy, like everything that I need with joy, then I need you to show up. Like I have nothing left. And that was the first time in my life that worship became like my weapon with your despair. It's not like despite it, it's not like apart from it. It's like with the despair, you can still choose joy and you can still walk in victory. And that's, it's part of why that's part of why I think I just I just went to worship is because my dad's death definitely broke me completely, 100%. Um, it's important to mourn and it's important to let our feelings out as they come and emotions out as they come. But man, it's so vital to allow the Lord to pick you back up again and to not let your story end in despair. I almost took it personally from the enemy and I was like, you have taken my dad from me and I'm still here.
and I'm still standing, I'm still worshiping. Like how discouraging to the enemy is it when we choose joy anyway, you know, and we choose to worship. He has no match for it. I know what it is to have to choose worship when you don't feel like it and when it doesn't make sense and then come out on the other side and be like, that's exactly what I needed. Like I, I needed the Lord's presence and I needed, I needed the joy that comes from his presence because it's everything I need. And yes, weeping endures for the night. And that's why the Bible says that it, it needs to have its time and it needs to endure. But joy always comes and we have to choose it. And I remember something that Sean said years ago, but he said, joy always wins. And if joy has not yet come, it is not the end. And so I think sometimes we just forget. We forget that this, it doesn't end in our despair, that doesn't have to be the end of it. Even if it feels like the world's ending, which it felt like that for me when my dad passed. I was like, that's my best friend and I'm a daddy's girl without a dad. That doesn't even make any sense, you know? And But remembering that the Lord is already one for me and this is not the end of my story and that this can be used for my good because the Lord says in 8, Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good. So somehow, don't understand how, but somehow this is gonna work out for my good. Trusting who God is, and having that as like the underlying thing under everything that we go through, I truly believe that we can come out of anything on top and victorious. Amen. At all seven locations, we stand up. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna worship. And this first song, I want you to turn this into a personal anthem. I want you to just start to, to declare these words over yourself, over your family, over your situation. Over and over this song is talking about worship. It says, this is how I fight my battles. And that's what we're gonna sing. Yeah, it might look like I'm surrounded, but that's just not the case. What I know to be true is I'm surrounded by you and my life doesn't make sense and my situation doesn't make sense and I'm scared about some things and there's some anxiety there and there's some depression there and there's some worry there, but you know what? My situation doesn't get to win. I'll stand right in the middle of it. I'll put both hands up and I'll say, this is how I fight my battles because our worship is a weapon. Red Rocks Church at every single location. Let's pray and then we'll worship. God, I, 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 right now I just pray that in an unbelievable way we would sense your presence. That in an unbelievable way we would just feel you as our Father right here with us as we worship. Some of us we're worshiping because some chains have come off. Some of us are worshiping until some chains come off, but we're gonna choose today to worship. And I pray God that we would sense your presence, that we would be reminded we get to worship you. We worship you because you're good, because you're worthy. And we worship because you've given it to us as a weapon. And we stand here today united, not an audience, but an army fighting for our freedom and the freedom of everybody in this city. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks Church, let's worship. <laughs> 